Hey, everybody, it's Lee. I know we're heading into the offseason, so we wanted to give a shout-out to our title sponsor, NHL Sense Arena, one more time. And again, we have a coupon for $50 off an annual subscription when you use Hockey Never Stops at hockey.sensearena.com. I always like to remind everybody, I've been using this thing for six months, and I'm just blown away, not just from the VR aspect of it and the virtual reality side of things, but the ability to give different perspectives of the game, whether I'm playing as a goaltender, and I got to admit, it is really hard, but it has really given me a perspective from that point of hockey, which has made me a better coach and a better ice hockey player, or the skater modes, which help you work on cognitive skills and other things like heads-up play that you don't normally get to work on in a practice or a game. So I implore you to check it out. It helps us out. It helps them out. Support our title sponsor, NHL Sense Arena. Get $50 off an annual subscription when you use Hockey Never Stops at Hockey.SenseArena.com. Again, that's Hockey Never Stops. That's the code at Hockey.SenseArena.com. Check it out. And without further ado, enjoy this episode of Our Kids Play Hockey. Hockey friends and families around the world, and welcome to another edition of Our Kids Play Hockey, a very special episode today. I'm joined by Christy Casciano-Burns. I'm Lee Elias. You know, NCAA hockey features some of the most intense rivalries in the sport, but when it comes to making the game more inclusive, everyone is coming together for the cause. That's why today we're joined by WCHA Vice President and Women's League Commissioner Jennifer Flowers, who is also the chair of a new group called College Hockey for Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion which features over 25 members, including coaches and student athletes, representing every Division I conference in the nation. We're also joined by Sophia Burns, a member of the group and a junior student athlete from St. Michael's College in Vermont. Sophia is also Christie's daughter, thus making this the perfect episode of <laughs> Our Kids Play Hockey and appear on the episodes. One day my son will appear. He's seven. I don't know if his thoughts on this are going to matter just yet, but one day they will. It's wonderful to have you both here today. Welcome to Our Kids Play Hockey. Thanks for having Thank us. You. This is great. It's, it's great to have you guys here. You know, Jen, I want to, I want to start with you. you. You've been quoted as saying, the energy and commitment that this group has brought to each meeting is inspiring. We are united in our goal and recognize there's work to be done. With that in mind, tell us what led to the creation of this really important initiative, which again is called College Hockey for Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion. And what are the goals of the group? Yeah, so that quote is spot on. It still is. You know, um, I guess it's been over a year now, Lee, since I think everyone in the country was having some real difficult conversations and really uh, reflecting on maybe where each one of us is at in the DEI journey and what role we could have in potentially making a difference. And uh, my commissioner colleagues and myself, we started talking about what are we doing? And I think that the thing about college hockey that's so unique is that we have a very different platform than many other college sports because we, most of us are part of single sport leagues. So we felt like we had a, a, a chance to try to bring the sport together to, to make some change. And so, you know, you say that out loud and it feels like it, it should be really easier. We, let's just do it, you know? And the reality is we're talking about, um, conferences all across the country, male and female, different leadership styles, different thoughts, different opinions. And so, and I'm sure Sophia can attest to this, you know, the early stages of us getting things started, we're really just right. trying to get to know each other and understand where each of us comes from on this topic, what are our overriding goals. And, and even with that, you said more than 25 people to try to get all of us on some form right. of a path to make change. Um, has been a little bit of a challenge, but ultimately, you know, at the end of the day, 
it's really simple, I think, for our group. We want to create some cultural change within the sport. And it, we use the tagline, one shift at a time, because I think that's the other thing we've really talked about. We're not solving the world in a day. That's not how it works. We want to create a longstanding group that's focused on making hockey better. And our focus is clearly college hockey, but we believe that extends to the sport in general, whether it's the professional leagues, whether it's the youth leagues, there's a real opportunity right now for hockey to self-examine, get better, have conversations that we haven't really been having. And um, it's a really, it's been an incredible year so far. We're gearing up to release our first sort of initiatives, if you will, this fall, as we kick off the 21, 22 season. So um, inspiring is an understatement. Uh, every meeting we have, I walk away feeling like we're going to make some change and whether it's change for everyone, I don't know, but it'll be change for some. And that's hey, Jennifer, right I was really impressed by the response that you received too. Um, it really seems like these college athletes um, are really committed and really want to roll up their sleeves and, um, and evoke some change. And I popped my head in on one of your zoom meetings, just because I was curious about participation and that screen was full. I couldn't believe all the faces that were on that screen. Sorry, I did that to you. <laughs> yeah, the commitment is real. I think that's what you find, right? When you're have, when you're in a topic or in a space that people are passionate about. Um, the core group of our membership, of our committee membership, shows up every time because they 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 mean what they say. We're not just we're not just checking a box. And I think that was the other thing that you know we came together like last September, it's been almost a year, but we didn't even, we didn't even kind of formulate anything or put anything out until February, late January, February, because we, it, it isn't a check the box for us. It really is a, a project. It is, it is ongoing and our loudest and strongest voices are student athletes. And if that doesn't give you some sense of like excitement that, you know, this generation is prepared to change the world, then, you know, it, that that's, part of why it's so inspiring. You know, Jen, you bring day. a great point. We, we talked a little bit before the episode about how communication is key with any issue, really. Um, and what, what's amazing to me about the country right now is that it's so divisive. And the idea is that people are set in their ways. And it, it's funny because the older I get, the more I can see that coming in. Like, you know, I know what I know kind of thing. Um, and conversations are not happening enough. And it, it seems like people are always surprised and Sophia, this is where I'm going to transition to you, that the university level is where new ideas come from. And a lot of people fight that, um, unfortunately. But I think it's wonderful that the university system is really spawning things like this. And really, you're starting the conversations that need to be had that are really going to change the future, right? Um, again, people that are older, I'm not making fun of anybody, but you get set in your ways and you start to move down. It's really the generations behind that make the change. So Sophia, my question for you is tell me about your experience when you first heard about this, what it was like to get involved uh, and why you're so passionate about this. Because again, just for those listeners out there, I want you to know that, that Christy is breaming with pride right now. I can see it on her. <laughs> All right. And uh, I just want to make sure because some people do listen to this instead of watching it. But Sophia, again, eyes on you. Tell us about why this is so important to you, why you got involved and, and how you see this going. Well, my coach first approached me with the idea of the group when it was first in the growing phases but um <clears throat> ever since I was well when did you write the first puck hog you were eight I was eight so we started reading to schools and we'd go we live in Syracuse we go to the city schools yep there it is puck I, got hog. A, I got a copy I'm holding it. 
And a lot of the kids in the city, they never heard of hockey. It wasn't something they're exposed to, whether that was because it's an expensive sport. There's not a lot of diversity within hockey. There's not a lot of people that look like them that play hockey. I think there's, as of like 2020, there's maybe like 43 players of color out of 700 professional NHL players. And I mean, it's so hard for them to get out there and be exposed to it, but we would go and we'd read the book to them. And it was, it's the most rewarding experience. Like is you got so much out of it, like showing them this new sport and we would give them uh, the little knee hockey sticks and we'd play knee hockey or I'd bring my, I'd bring my like uh, ice stick and I'd stick handle and they thought it was so cool. And I like, that's really where my passion stemmed because I saw their eyes light up and I want them to be able to play the sport that's given me so much. And, you know, hockey's just like my favorite thing in the world. So I want, if they want to be able to play, they should be able to. And I don't think the lack of inclusion, the barrier there should be what prevents them from doing it. Right. You know, and we, we recognize that hockey can be expensive. Um, and we were in areas of, you know, socially, economically disadvantaged um, communities. And just because they can't afford it, it, it's such a huge barrier for them. And we, we were thinking, you know, what can we do? So, you know, we brought the knee hockey sticks in, but we just would think, imagine if they could step on the ice, I know. what they would feel, what they would experience, what you experienced yeah. when you were a little kid. We wanted that for, for them. Um, so when this opportunity came, I know we talked about it and we thought maybe this will help open some doors for kids who it is the greatest sport in the world, we think anyway, yeah. and every kid should have an opportunity to play. So maybe this will help. Yeah. I know so many of them asked me just so simply, like, what's it like to play hockey? And I'm like, it's like the best thing ever. Like, <laughs> it's, a, it's addicting. <laughs> yeah. I wish, I wish they could just be able to do it easy, as easily as you know a lot of us were right and there are a ton of initiatives out there that are working towards that and and you're absolutely right Sophia you know I, I think it's easy I'm not, I'm not trying to call anybody out here but you know when you're sitting behind a computer screen and typing it can be easy to have an opinion like that but when you get out there to anyone around the world and hand them a hockey stick and watch them fall in love with the game that really is the key to the entire operation right I mean the game will not survive if we don't open it up to everyone and keep it inclusive. So Jennifer, going back to you, uh, you know, this is a college initiative right now, but it's not limited to that, right? You're trying to make college hockey a welcoming environment for everyone, but what can be done to inspire positive cultural change in every rink in America, right? Because uh, again, while the WCHA and, and, and uh, this commission is leading this, I, I doubt it's just to keep it within this bubble, right? You're looking for an initiative that's going to span the globe. Yeah. You know, what's really interesting is when we did make our announcement and, and kind of formulated we're here and this is some of the work we're doing. Um, there was a number of reach outs trying to figure out because I think everyone really across the country and, and especially within hockey, uh, USA hockey, youth hockey, um, the hockey humanitarian group. I mean, all of the, everyone is kind of going through their own DEI journey a bit right now. And we realize that big picture, we right. need to do this together, that this isn't gonna be, we can't be siloed because Hockey is a small enough sport from top to bottom that we should be working together. I think the other piece of that, though, that we've all been very cautious about is 
when does that happen? Because you still have to establish your own space, your own focus, and then make the shift. But, you know, one of the things that we're working on right now for us is some what we call like video video tools where we're, what we want to do to your point, Lee, is create conversation. So we've identified what we think specifically in college hockey are big key talking points, language being used in the locker room, um, and just kind of like the respect and dignity of people. And there, so we're creating these videos that our goal is to, to have them shown in every locker room and have some conversation around them. Here's a couple of questions, because what we hear from coaches is, from some coaches, is I'd love to have the conversation. I'm not comfortable starting right. it. I don't know where to that's start it. Point. I don't know yeah. how to, you know, and that's, yeah. Absolutely. We all feel that way at times, right? You're just, you don't want to say the wrong thing. And I think that's a very real feeling from folks when we get into the conversation. So we're trying to create these places where we can say, here's a start for you. Have the right. conversation in your locker room, because oftentimes it's just something that people haven't thought of. Put yourself on someone else's shoes for a while. And that type of thing we believe could also translate in either direction there should be conversations happening in the 12U locker room around saying this word or that word or making sure that this player who might be the only young girl or boy of color feels just like everyone else. And here's how, you know, right. step right. in their shoes for a little bit, think a little bit more broadly. So um, I do think we're very cognizant of what, of what we're trying to do, but being able to then take, you know, our educational plans and share them in whichever direction anybody right. wants to have them. Ultimately, it starts young. I mean, that's all of our student athletes have said over and over. We were say, we were hearing these things. We were saying these things in our locker room when we, you know, a lot of our young, a lot of our female players right. played with the right. boys growing up, right? So the conversations are different. And so that's, I would say the one challenge that I think we're going to have, and, and I think we're feeling that a little bit right now is some of the difference now between right. men's hockey and women's hockey there's there's a difference there's a bit more there's a, a bit more of an inclusive space in women's hockey than there is in men's hockey how do we fix that how do we merge that um so we've got a lot of work to do i mean that's that's let's be honest that this is we're in it for the long haul though that's the two, no, one shift at a time i just keep telling myself that because i'm there, not very patient quote, so. yeah, there's, a, there's a great quote that i use a lot people think i'm joking when i say this but there's this great quote in a in a spider-man movie okay i'm, I'm being honest with you and it, he says, it's not about saving the world, it's about saving one person at a time. And you can really apply that to a lot of things, right? With this initiative, it's not about changing the world overnight. It's about one person learning at a time. You know, if, if I can make myself vulnerable for a minute, you know, within my own hockey journey, journey as a man, um, you know, growing up in the 90s and playing in the 90s and the, the turn of the century, there was a lot of, let's just say, choice phrases that were very common in the locker room. And, you know, for all the guys listening, I think this is important, Right. I remember uh, two in particular, and, and again, I'm going to have to like navigate this carefully to not say anything like weird, right? Uh, I'll, I'll give you one. There was a derogatory uh, term we use towards women all the time, all right, right? And um, what I mean by is don't be a blank, for those of you who can fill in the blank. I remember my wife, who's an incredibly strong woman, uh, I was surrounded by strong women my whole life, said to me one day, you know, why do you guys say that? And then she said jokingly, you know, we push kids out. You guys can't even take a flick. And it was kind of a funny conversation without getting into it. But the point was, is she goes, why do you say that? And I realized in that moment, why do I say that? Why do I say that word? And again, it's because I've been hearing it my whole life. But here's the thing. And this is what I want to convey to the, everyone out there. Once I realized it was wrong, I just stopped saying it immediately. Right. And again, I never meant anything by it when I said it. It wasn't like I was thinking. Right. 
But my wife put me in her shoes for a minute and I realized, why would I say that? That, that is, it doesn't make any sense. Another word, uh, I'll just, you know, in the nineties, this was very prevalent uh, against someone's sexual orientation, right? And we all said it. And then one day I realized, I said, you know, what am I saying this for? Like, this is going to hurt someone. Odds are there's a gay person in my room all the time. Odds are, right, when you look at the numbers, why am I saying this word? And again, I just snapped and stopped. And that's, that is how easy it can be. You just make the decision. You take the ego out of it. Um, and again, like, it's, it's hard to talk about because it, it's almost embarrassing to talk about it, but I'm, not, I'm guilty of it. I used to do it, but I want everyone to hear that because when you realize something's wrong, don't be prideful about it because I've been saying this my whole life. Just stop saying it and say something else. It is that simple. Anyway, I wanted to share that story, you know? And then maybe tell someone else oh, of course. saying it yeah. too, right? But, like, I mean, yeah. that's, it feels, that's so good. Yeah. I'm so glad you said that because it, sometimes it does feel like it should just be so much more simple. Just take a second and like be that other person for right. just a second. And it doesn't mean that you, you don't, no. it doesn't mean you're a bad person. It just means like, maybe you right. didn't think about that. So if you think about it, and then next time you hear someone else say it, you know, encourage them to think yeah, about it. Jen, here's, they, here's the funny yeah. thing about it, is that everyone can be called something that's going to bother them, right? Like, like, like I'm Jewish, all right? I grew, I'm Jewish. I've been, I've been called derogatory terms towards that. And it's like, I think about it. It's like, what, what makes it okay for me to say this term, but I get upset when someone says that term? And it's a big hypocrisy at the end of the day. But the key is this, the key is this, because I, I don't want anybody to try and think I'm being extra right now, all right? The point I'm making is, is that um, you said it. You got to put yourself in someone else's shoes. Take the ego out of it for five seconds, right? If you have a problem with someone saying, hey, don't say that, the problem's with you, right? Like there's a reason someone, you, you might be hurting someone. And, and again, uh, I open this opened up my brain again. I'm not trying to sound like a hero. I'm really not. It's just, it's just, I remember when my wife kind of like really made me think about that. And I realized all the things I might've said in my life that might've been offensive. And the thing is this, I can't change that. All right. But I can change it for the future. Right. I can't go back and change it, but that's, I just made a decision. I'm not going to say that word, even though I never had any intention of hurting someone, but I've said that around women. I've said, I've said, the uh, I, I'm trying not to say the word. I've said the the anti-gay slur with gay people. And I'm not even thinking about it. And it's like again, I was a kid. I feel like I have to defend myself a little bit now. But my point is, you make a decision not to say it anymore, and you move forward with your life after that, right? Again, sorry, I'm not trying to take the airtime here. I just I thought that was important for people to hear that that it's embarrassing, uh, but the other side of this is so much better than staying in it, right? Right? It just you don't realize how much that can really bother people or someone in the room that that maybe isn't out or just doesn't say anything. In fact, women put up with this for so long. I don't understand it, to be honest with you. Um, all right, now I am talking too much. You guys take over. <laughs> <laughs> all right. I would love to hear some of the ideas, some of the strategies being discussed, Jennifer, because as Lee mentioned, some of them are simple fixes, easy fixes, but are others not so much. What are some of the ideas? And you've got student athletes from all across the country coming together. What are some of the, you know, brainstorming that's gone on? Some of the ideas that you heard that you thought, well, every rink in the country can do this. Yeah, yeah, that's the key. We've tried to be pretty strategic about what's attainable. <laughs> so you can throw a lot of things on the board and then go, okay, how, how would we actually do that? So we've tried to kind of, uh, I would say, be realistic. And I, I say that, it's funny to me, especially because Sophia's here, because I'm like, I'm probably the biggest dreamer, but 
like, then I have to circle back to like, okay, how are we actually going to do this? So um, we've, like I mentioned the video, the video educational pieces, that's something we're working on right now and hope to roll that out this fall uh, and kind of do it throughout the season so that again, we don't want this to be a check the box. We don't want to say, Hey, you did your preseason meeting and you've done it. And now you're, you're educated. Like, no, we want you to join us on the journey. Um, and we, we've talked about, you know, like a, I would say a PSA, if you will, that we can run in every, in every single uh, arena. Most arenas now are, are, are capable of uh, videos and uh, all of the websites within, uh, within division one, you know, again, we have buy-in from all of the conferences, which was a huge step for, my, for us at the beginning. So now we feel like we have a platform via each conference to share whatever messages that we want to put out. And it's really, you know, the, I think the one that's the hardest for us to really like grasp is the is the availability of the game to folks right because we don't have the resources at this point to fund a youth hockey program or to make it cheaper for someone you know we definitely want to ensure that we're trying to either get out into the communities or bring those communities to our rinks one way or the other and i think each league you know that's where we it's sort of like Here's what the committee can do. Here's what we can encourage the conferences to do. Here's what we can encourage the schools to do. And where do we all fit in that hierarchy? Because our, our small committee isn't gonna get all of these things done, but if we can provide maybe the foundation or the playbook for how we can do it or take the lead on you know, putting some of it together, there are a lot of schools and conferences that are already doing things like this. Now we're just trying to loop it together and maybe showcase it more so that folks know um, what's going on, but I think, uh, it, and Sophia, I, I would love for her to chime in here too. Like, it's just been, there's so many great ideas because there's so many people who are really committed and passionate about trying to make it better. Yeah. And we're still in the working processes of the videos, but we do want to keep them kind of like short, but yet educational, informational, kind of giving us our voices to stream out to all these teams, especially the younger ones. Cause that's where we found that it stems from. But another idea that I kind of like, I talked to Jen about is having some kind of like flyer at every rink that says like, like you belong here, or everyone's welcome or having like our, our one shift at a time kind of, and the link to our website, just so, you know, there are people that maybe wouldn't necessarily be at a rink and they're there and they see, oh, I do belong here. Like, you know, so. And that's something easy that could be at every rank. Just the first thing you see when you, when you walk in. Yeah. Sophia, I want to follow up on that. When, when I played um, college hockey, one of the things we used to do, uh, I played up in Northern New Jersey and we used to go into Newark and, and read to some of this, the kids. Um, and what I remember as a freshman, which was a long time ago, was these kids looked at me like I was an NHL athlete. They, they didn't know the difference between me and at that time, Eric Lindros, right? Um, it's not Eric Lindros anymore, but the point I'm trying to make is, um, you know, it is a massively impactful moment, uh, both for the player and the kids when you're able to, to, you know, see each other like that. So why don't you tell us a little bit about what you're trying to do to get into communities and maybe some ideas, um, and how kids can get involved in the sport. We've, we've touched on this, but I want to hear it from your point of view. Well, I know with COVID winding down, fingers crossed, we can start to be more hands-on with our community outreach because we kind of missed that in our beginning processes of our group. And I know we wanted to, but it was just hard. And um, 
my coaches and I had a few conversations about kind of what Jen talked about is sending one of like our buses or St. Michael's buses and having sending that to the communities where are underprivileged they wouldn't necessarily be at an ice rink and have them come skate with us maybe come to some games just get them introduced to hockey you know pay for like the skate rentals or maybe even start some kind of like uh, gear exchange or uh, something like that. That's a great idea. I think that's good. I think, you know, every college can do that. Yeah. That's a simple thing. Um, and think of, and you're rightly, when college athletes walk into, you know, an elementary school, they're superstars, they're heroes. And so you, you've captivated them. Now you can use that to spread some good messages um, that celebrity status, uh, that's, that's a beautiful thing. It's powerful. It well, and I know in our group, all of us, we're so thankful to be playing at the college level and we want to use our platform for this. Like we're just pouring out everything we can into like spreading the sport into these kind of communities where they wouldn't see it. You know, yeah. One of the things talk about in our league often when I meet with the teams is the responsibility that the, that the players have to keep the game going. I mean, I, that's the word that I use. I think it's a responsibility now of this demographic of, you know, of college women specifically to encourage, promote, help, support, whatever those words are, because that's, that's the way that it happens. And so that's the challenge kind of, you know, back to all of our college athletes is you, you have a platform, you also have a responsibility that like someone kind of did that for you and we're not asking for a lot, but if to everyone's point, they walk in once, they come into one rank, those, the, the eyes of those young people light up so quickly that the impact even an hour has is immeasurable. So we need our college athletes and our college programs to really invest and buy into that type of process because it will help. Well, you, ha you have to send help. the elevator back down, right? You know, uh, one, one of the things I love about um, NCAA hockey and just college hockey in general is it already, it always has separated itself a little bit from basketball and football and some of the other major sports um, in the sense of, you know, the, the student athlete moniker, right? Now, when I, when I played college hockey and coached college hockey, I took the student part of that super, super seriously, right? And I think most colleges do that at both the, the, the men's and women's level, right? Uh, and one of the things I want to impress upon our audience, and, and, and again, for some reason, I always felt like this was a little bit forgotten or backwards, but, you know, we talk on the show all the time about hockey is a vehicle for your growth as a human being, right? But we, we almost kind of put that sideways to like, yeah, but they could play here <laughs> or yeah, but they could play there. And it, I just think that long-term value, look, if you get to the NWHA or you get to the NHL or you get to play somewhere beyond college, that is amazing. And it's awesome. And I wish that for everybody that wants it. But the truth is the skills you learn in hockey transcend hockey. All right. And at some point, all of us have to stop playing, right? At some point. So the lessons you learn, the lessons you give and what you give back to your community is maybe the most enriching part of that, right? Again, I, I remember a lot about playing. I remember the look on those kids' faces when we read to them. I remember giving back. I remember when something changed for the better and it affected a whole group of people, right? That's the type of stuff that really impacted me and made me make the choices, um, you know, that I make today. Um, now, with that in mind, guys, I, I do want to do this because I want to give our audience some practical um, advice or examples. Uh, our audience comprises of, you know, hockey players, hockey coaches, and hockey parents. Uh, so, Sophia, one of the things I wanted to ask you, and it, it, this is actually a really important question, uh, when we look at locker room culture, right, uh, you're in the locker rooms right now, right? 
what are the things that need to change? Because I guarantee you people listening to this, A, are either, as you said, Jen, maybe a little wor worried about bringing it up. Maybe they're not even aware, right? So I want to make sure that in a conducive conversation, we bring some things up that maybe need to change. Maybe people don't realize have to change and maybe some ways to do that. Yeah, well, I think it, I think of my team now and I, I love my team. Like, I think they're all so excited about what we're doing with this group and everything. Like they want the change too. And they understand that, again, we have this platform. We want to bring good and do more for hockey. But I think of when I was younger and I was on the boys team and that's kind of where the most of my stories of seeing like exclusion really stemmed from was a lot of times kids, you know, a lot of them say what their parents say or they say things that maybe they see a, a player of color and they're not used to seeing it. They say stuff like, oh, they don't belong here. Like little kids saying just bad things because <laughs> they are not educated differently. So I think that's where, why we want to do these videos. And it also starts with coaches too, coaching right. these kids at the young level, not stopping it or not. Cause they're in the locker room. They, they hear things. I know they're not in the locker room 24 seven, but you know, yeah, especially um, when the teams are mixed, the girls and boys. Um, yeah, it can get challenging. Uh, there yeah. were times when, and the boys on her team were very protective of her, but when she got out on the ice, boys, the opposing teams would go after the ponytail. And that was their mark. The ponytail was the mark. Get the ponytail off the ice. Um, yeah, so... I'm not sure if that, that still happens. Maybe they're more accepting of it, but um, yeah, you felt a lot of that yeah. when you were out there, especially when you're playing a team that wasn't mixed with boys and girls and it was an all boys team playing a, a mixed team and the boys on the other team didn't understand why there was, why, why are there girls on your team? Um, yeah, they, <laughs> so that culture needs to change. It needs to be more accepting. Um, Girls are fantastic hockey players and boys who don't get that, they need to understand. Yeah. And as once she's out on the ice, they prove it. But that initial sight um, sometimes is, is difficult for them to accept. So, you know, you know let me let me pose this as a question. All right. Um, my groups have done a lot of work with women's hockey. We've, we've tried to support that side of the sport as much as we possibly can. And here's something that I've come to realize as a man. Right which I think is part of this conversation because like both sides gender wise have to kind of work together here to make this succeed. Right. And it's, it's, it's a form of a question, right? When you see a female hockey player, person of color, anything like that, do you identify them as, Oh, that's a girl playing hockey or do you just see a hockey player? Right. And that's kind of something that I've realized. Right. So, you know, Sophia, to your point, I've come to that, realize that, yeah, of course I notice the ponytail. I'm not going to say I don't see that you are a, a female, but I just see a mm -hmm. hockey player now, right? And that's just the way you have to look at it with anyone on the ice, right? Uh, the same thing is, you know, the argument, and I think this is such a silly argument of, I hear this all the time, like, oh, they, the pro women's league is ridiculous. They're never going to make as much money as the men. I'm like, that's so not the point. <laughs> of women's professional hockey or NCAA women's hockey has nothing to do with making millions of dollars. It's they are hockey players, period. Right. Is my thinking wrong with that? Is, is that something that I guess men can realize too? It's like, I just, the arguments uh, 
boggle my mind sometimes. You know what I mean? I just want to, let me get your thoughts on that, obviously. It's definitely, I mean, and it's not just a hockey right. thing. I mean, that's the thing. I think, thankfully, there's more and more opportunity for men to see women in a sport, in a competitive sports environment and see them thrive and be successful and see how talented they are. It doesn't matter what sport. So my, I mean, do I wish we were, we could stop saying, Oh, look right. at that great woman, woman player. Look at that great. She's, she's so great. I'm, I'm surprised she's great. Like we, at some point, I hope we're past that. I hope it's just, man, she's a right. great player, right. man. He's a great player. And it's not like, it's not like, I can't believe she's so great. She's a sheep, you know, like there's a, there's a connotation that comes with that. We have phenomenal players in women's hockey and do, is there work to do from a professional standpoint? And all of course there is, but women's hockey is very young. I mean, that's the other thing men, the men have had years upon years you could say to build their sport point, and we're just getting, yeah. yes, exactly. Yeah. But to your point, Lee, everybody right. has to come together. Like that's, that's the thing. We're not going to make change we're not going to get people's minds to to shift a little bit we're not going to get people to kind of open up and see it all if we're not doing it together I, as a woman who's who's advanced in a career that is very male dominated and i'm christy i'm sure she's gonna, <laughs> she's gonna say the same thing you have to have you you have to have men champions you have to have a, a male who has supported and pushed your journey and i i'm hopeful that for Sophia, she's going to have women champions. And that's, we're to that point now, but I, none of us have gotten where we've gotten without some men right. who have said, Hey, I get it. You're ultra talented. We need you in this room and has it have accepted that whether that's in a room full of commissioners where I'm the only female or whether it's on the ice where Sophia is the only ponytail, either way, that group of people has to accept and, and love and support that inclusivity because that's where the change comes Absolutely. yeah and you know and we do have a long way to go just two weeks ago we were in line at the grocery store and a conversation came up because she had her hockey jacket on and the cashier looked up and said oh who plays hockey and she said i do and they looked at her like she had three heads <laughs> wait ice hockey yeah you play ice hockey but you're a girl so yeah, we um we still have a long way to go. <laughs> you know, I, I'll tell you, we still get comments. A, a very quick story. You know, in 1998 in the Nagano Olympics, uh, I, you know I don't credit this enough for like changing my life, but you know that was the first time women's uh, hockey was held in the Olympics. And I remember walking away from that Olympics with Cami Granado being my hero, right? And I didn't realize it at the time because I was young, but that was not something that was commonly said by, <laughs> I guess, a dude back then, but. That was the era I grew up in. And, and you know, to see the women's game sprout, really, because that was a major moment in, in women's hockey, um, that there's hundreds of thousands of Cammy Granados now, right? Sophia, you're one of them, right? And it, it's, I have a daughter, right? She's only four years old, but she's, she wants to play, I can tell. <laughs> she runs out in the house with a hockey stick. And I'm so thankful as her father that she's going to have so many role models um, and that my, my wish, right, and I'm sure yours too, is that when, when she does get to college uh, or that age group that, you know, you have paved the way for her, that this isn't a big deal. And I think that's part of the key that we want to make the audience recognize, right? This isn't about changing everything that we know now. It's so that, you know, my daughter and all the daughters out there, all the kids out there, it's not limited, just daughters, right? That when they get to college, and, and this, is, this is the trailblazing, 
you know, road you guys are paving, that it's not a stigma anymore. And that the initiative you've created helped open that door for so many people. I mean, that's what we're supposed to be about. <laughs> that's what the whole thing's supposed to be about. But I want you to, all three of your trailblazers in your respective fields and in what you're doing, I appreciate all of you. You know, uh, we are running low on time. So, so Christy, I didn't know if you want to jump in with a final question or um, if we have anything yeah, else. Yeah, just, just my final thought. Um, you know, racism obviously doesn't belong anywhere. It certainly doesn't belong in hockey. But here's a generation, and, and thank you, Jen, for leading them. Um, they can move the puck forward, um, break down those barriers, and make hockey available for every kid who wants to play as it should be. So um, I thank both of you. I'm really proud that you're part of this. And Jennifer, thanks for, for leading this generation to carry the puck forward. And, and uh, really, um, the sky's the limit. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I appreciate that. Sophia's amazing. Our student athletes are amazing. We're, we know we're, we're making change. And that if we can stay patient and really stay true to like that this is a, a journey for us so that as Lee said we hope that some of these things that we're talking about right now in five years and eight years and ten years it's a different conversation because we've advanced past having to educate about some things maybe we've achieved that and now we're really living it differently and um, I'm really proud to be a part of this group it's phenomenal people it's a sport that we all love and we want everyone else to love it as much as we love it. And we want to give them the space to come and love it safely and enjoy it. And, it, and I think, I think we're going to do great things. And I, I think if we stay patient and if, if we stay focused, um, we're really going to one shift at a time, make some right, real the road change for tomorrow starts today. Right. Well, I want to be honest with you. It was an honor to share this episode with the three of you. I'm going to say it again. The three of you are all trailblazers and, and I learned myself a lot today and I hope the audience learned a lot as well. Uh, Jennifer Flowers, thanks for joining us. Sophia, thank you so much for being here. Christy, I, this is the happiest I've ever seen you on any episode we've ever done, <laughs> which is wonderful to see. Uh, I'm Lee Elias. Thanks so much for listening to Our Kids Play Hockey. If you want more information about this initiative, check out collegehockey4dei.com. That's the number four. Again, we'll make sure that we put it on the bottom of the uh, episode or accompany it. Uh, you can check out more Our Kids Play Hockey episodes at ourkidsplayhockey.com or wherever podcasts can be heard. Thanks so much for listening. You have a wonderful afternoon, morning or evening, wherever you are. Take care. Have a good one.